November 27th, and this is Season 7, Episode 16 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Tommy. What's up? And Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Well, small cast, uh, only a couple games to talk about. I think we probably can be a, a little bit more concise here, but but I think we are going to have a lot to say about this uh, match yesterday. So yesterday, Boxing Day going in, I think those of us that were on the podcast last week, most of us were predicting that um, with all this time off, despite some players not being available, that we were going to see possibly Spurs have that time for training and be able to like step maybe back into what we were seeing towards the the end of last season. Um, and we didn't quite get that, uh, unfortunately. Um, and I want to start the conversation just by answering our one uh, listener question. It's actually from our own Michael. So, um, And he asks us, uh, why are we still asleep in the first half? And I think that's a good place to tackle this. Uh, Lucas, you want to take it first? Yeah. Um, I mean... It's it's funny because for me it's it's got there's two answers there's the answer that I'm there's the answer that I'm telling myself and trying to talk myself into believing and then there's the answer that might be the truth and the truth might be that we just don't have the personnel that we need but the answer that I keep trying to talk myself into is that this was something that we saw in the first half of the season where we were having to deal with the World Cup coming up so we had guys even Hugo came out and admitted that they're being told to play a certain way where we're conserving our energy for the first half. And then we try and come out in the second half and actually step up the game and take the game to the opposition a little bit. Whereas that's, that's, so that was understandable if that was going to be the strategy for the first half, because you have the world cup smack dab in the center of your season. But I think, I've been telling myself that that's all going to change now that the World Cup is behind us. But I think yesterday was just a, there was a little bit of the lack of understanding and the lack of communication, the lack of, like, it looked as if we hadn't played with each other in six weeks, it, it, which is what it was. And that's where Brentford didn't have that problem. They've been able to train together, get rest, get back in. They looked very much more of a cohesive unit than we did. And that's where the first half, it looked like we were 11 guys that had no experience playing with each other. And it wasn't until we, what, maybe the 70th minute or 60th minute or 65, somewhere in there, where we started to actually kind of look like a team that was starting to get back into the flow of things with each other. So I'm really hoping that that's the last time we see us do that and we can start to actually take the game to the opposition in the first half. Because I can't remember the last time we went up 1-0 in a game. I think that's like the ninth game in a row or something that we've conceded a lead first. So it's it's getting really frustrating to watch us just sleepwalk through the first 70 minutes of games. Well, we weren't a first-half team last year, were we, Tommy? Uh, it certainly didn't feel like it. Uh, I know how Lucas was saying, you know, conserving energy and all that. I, as an example, or um, not going to lie, I came back from what research triangle earlier today and Lucas actually picked me up and we were talking about it. I'm just like, I'm so sick of it. I, you know, we talked about it last week uh, with Michael. He actually, he's like, yeah, we didn't, sh-, or he tagged me in our podcast chat. He's like, yeah, we didn't show up. And I'm just like, 
Yeah, I'm not horribly surprised. Same shit, different day, because it's like, which team will show up? And I told our, you know, yesterday I'm talking to my brother-in-law, Scott, about it. And I'm just like, what is the deal? I'm like, you know, and like, so Lucas is like, you know, conservating energy. And I'm like, my argument is like, why don't we just go all out for 60 minutes, bring in subs, and then hold on to the lead? But then he's like, well... His argument, which I am inclined to believe is we have a better fitness level, but other teams, you know, we kind of do a rope and dope. So, like, we catch them on the break and we get them at their worst. We might get them at 30 percent while we're at maybe 50, 60 percent, for example. So I get it. It's just. I don't know. Maybe that's true. We'll see, I guess. Um, I know we're going to preview what Aston Villa at the end of or the second half, I just I don't see any end in sight until we get reinforcements. It's I'm just I don't know. Like we're still playing the same amount of people and it or type same people for the most part and all these players are gonna get burnt out. You know Harry Kane quarterfinals round of uh, what sixteen with Sun um, Perisic, he was, he played in, or he essentially went to the final minus one day because he was in the third place game. So I don't know. I'm just, like I said, the truth will probably come out eventually. I'm just sick of it. And with the changes, I don't think anything's going to change probably until February at the earliest once we get, or if we get transfers, just have, we have to get them integrated as well. So who knows? Lucas? Well, yeah, it, for me, it's, it is a personnel issue as well, where as a strategy, I can understand the tactic of trying to conserve our energy and trying to kind of short what you do basically is you shorten the game. And so I, I get that from a like a strategic standpoint. The problem is with our personnel that we have, you have to then be perfect. And that's where we've one mistake can completely fuck you. And that's what we've seen with us where, yeah, it, it wasn't, we, we didn't play well. We slept walk through the game, but that being said, it wasn't as if Brentford was taking the game to us and ramming it down our throat and creating chance after chance after chance. They didn't really create many opportunities. Their goal came from a weird deflection off Langley and caught our caught Forster like flat footed. So that was a, that was a freak goal that came off a weird deflection and then the other one came off of us giving them a free corner and out of nothing. So it wasn't as if it wasn't as if we were like the strategy had we just not made those two mistakes, we we get to that 65 minute point and they start to tire and we kind of turn the game on and it would be a nil-nil game and that's that's kind of where the strategy would work, but if you're going to do it that way, you have to be perfect for those first 65 minutes. And when we got guys coming in, you got Tanganga playing his first game in the Premier League this year. You got Dyer coming back in, Langley. Like, that's a back three that's never played together once. And then you now have a midfield that's brand new personnel, a pairing that we've never really seen, and a Hoybier and Basuma pairing. So you're expecting them to now be perfect. And there's just a lot of asks you're asking a lot from a group of guys that hasn't played together and doesn't have any chemistry together. And you're asking them to be perfect for the first 65 minutes while we just sleepwalk through it. And that's, 
that's always going to end in us conceding and going down. And now once we've conceded, now the other team gets to dictate how they want the rest of the game to go. And that's just, that's been the pattern that we've seen from us for the last 10, 15 games. Well, and, and Lucas, I agree with you that this is a personnel issue. Um, but we also heard fact after fact of like, oh, the, these guys that were that stayed back from the World Cup and were in training, how good they were doing, how much they were falling into a system. Um, I, I know we heard that about Jed Spence, and I understand that you know he he had an illness that uh, that he hadn't quite recovered from, so he wasn't really available. I think Ulster Gold said that he was uh, uh, available, but. Um, but I also saw him on lists that said that he was uh, ill. Um, so he wasn't going to be available. Um, but um, we, we didn't see some of these guys that were performing well in these uh, friendlies and had been playing together for these last four weeks. Um, we didn't see any of them get into this game, really. Uh, I mean, in Basuma, Hoybier, they played together, but they, um, they, they've usually played together in a three when, uh, you know, middle three when, uh, when we changed the formation up. Um, so yeah, uh, Tanganga's the, the, the big, big change there. And, uh, I'm sure we'll get to it when we start talking about players, but I don't think he played very well, but I, I kind of stepped on you, Tommy. So, uh, please, uh, hop in here. No, I... Lucas, how you're saying, like, you know, Tim Gallon coming in, Doherty, I mean, I think Doherty played above average. I don't, I don't think he played out of this world, you know, Royal, like compared to Royal, he didn't, Matt Doherty didn't give me a heart attack. So that's definitely a good thing. But the point that I was going to make is, you know, Sanchez came in. Uh, I don't even know who else came in. Oh, Ben Davis came in, I think. So, but I'm like, why was, like, Skip was on the bench, Brian Heal was on the bench, Sar was on the bench. I know they don't have a lot of experience with the first team, but I'm like, for me, when it comes to this, and, you know, we got an experience with the team playing together as a whole, I'm like, I think this kind of outlines uh, Antonio Conte's fatal flaw, where he is not willing to roll the dice when we need it. Don't get me wrong. A point isn't the worst thing in the world. But, you know, Newcastle is in second place right now. Man United won today. I'm like, for me, like I'm telling my brother-in-law yesterday, I'm like, you know, Antonio Conte has got to roll the, you know, he's got to throw it down the gauntlet eventually if we're going to preserve Champions League. Um, this could get downhill very, this can go downhill very quickly. Don't get me wrong. I know that I think Antonio Conte has overachieved with this squad. If it was Pochettino, Nuno, um, anybody else for the most part, probably eighth place or below with the current crop. Uh, so it's, I, I just wish there was more flexibility, you know, creating depth with some of these players and i said this many times and i know i kind of beat it to death but kind of with you know the week first half with way teams playing i don't know what else that can be said really anthony what'd you have well you had pointed out that yeah skip was sitting there on the bench now skip was somebody that at the start of last season after conte came in he was using pretty regularly um before his injury 
he seemed to have some level of faith in him. And I, we were all sitting there watching how bad Basuma was playing. I mean, he just, he really didn't look up for it. Like, I keep saying that, like, his skill set just doesn't seem to be uh, able to come out in a Conte system. Uh, but but also I think his performances are uh, are there. I don't know if he's in his own head about playing the Conte system, but yeah, why why did we wait so long for subs? I mean, we made the the one early sub, and then uh, Basuma's continuing to play terrible. Uh, why not try Oliver Skip there? Yeah. See, well, and it's all I, well. The other thing though, Anthony, it's it's two subs for defense. I, you know, as Lucas noted, those two goals. It was either, you know, Dyer with the bad clearance or, you know, bad rebound and horrible marking. I don't – I think if you erase those two, I mean, in theory, we could have won and scraped through with a win. It's just they weren't showing any anything where they were dominating us, barring the scoreline at the time. So I'm like, bring on Brian Heal, bring on Saar, bring on whomever. Let's get some attacking. Let's – Dare them like let's go for it and let's dare them to score more goals than us, Lucas. Yeah, the one thing with Skip that I'll say is I think that um, I had heard that he would he had had like some kind of flu or uh, sickness this week. There was a couple guys that's why he didn't. Uh, it was him, uh, Spence, Spence, and somebody else that they all Sorry. got sick. Sorry yeah, they were sick this too. week, so they. That's why we didn't even see him play in the friendly against Nice. So I think that's probably why Basuma got the nod over Skip. But yeah, Skip, uh, to your point, Anthony, I think what's frustrating is about Basuma is that it's not, and Tommy and I discussed this earlier, but it's the thing that frustrates us so much about Basuma is that it's not a question of like potential. I used the example of like Giovanni LaCelso. We got him, he was underperforming to what we would hoped for, but there had never been any clear evidence. It was all just based on hope. This is what we want LaCelso to be. With Basuma, it's we know he can be it because we've seen it. We've seen him take over and boss Premier League games before in the midfield. That's why we bought him. So it's it's very similar to like when we bought Sissoko. We had we had such disappointment because we had seen what he was capable of doing in Premier League games. And that's why I think we're a little bit frustrated with the the slow start out of Basuma. But um, uh, for me, I don't – I was really disappointed with how he played yesterday and how he looked. But that being the case, I'm, I'm still very excited about the prospect of him because we got to remember that he's been playing a certain way in the midfield for his entire life, basically. He's been playing like playing one way. And now all of a sudden he's being asked to do something and learn something completely new to him. So I think with time and when, the more and more he gets minutes and gets comfortable with his new role in the Conti system, I think we'll see him start to settle and actually become the player we want. So I'm not ready to hit the panic button on Basuma yet, but it is just very disappointed because we know what he's capable of in the midfield and to not see it is it's frustrating. I think especially because it's a position that we so desperately need right now. We need somebody to be able to take over and drive the ball forward in the midfield. And we didn't see any of that yesterday. Well, let me ask this question. Is Basuma a great for our team under a different coach? I mean, and I'm not saying like, I want Conte out. That's not what I'm saying here. So nobody come back at me and say like, I'm suggesting that we get rid of Conte or something like that. 
But like, let's say, if, for instance, Pochettino was still our coach, do you think Basuma would be playing his best game? Well, would he be dri- driving the ball forward, box to box, like uh, doing uh, creative uh, uh, dribbling, uh, g- getting the ball to uh, the forward line? Uh, do we think he would be doing it in a different system, Tommy? Yeah, I was actually thinking about that when I was talking to Lucas about it. Um, and it, yeah, Anthony, you're a piece of shit for wanting Conti out. So yeah, um, joking. <laughs> Anthony um, hates Conti. I knew it. Yeah. So I'll, I, I, I was thinking, I'm like, for argument's sake, if we sold Basuma to Chelsea, had, and you know, and he was bought under Graham Potter at Chelsea. I think it'd probably be no big deal, and Basuma would probably be doing well. Uh, uh, you know, it's like how we brought up this whole system issue, 4-3-3, get himself acclimated. Um, Lucas said that Basuma is premierly proven. It's, I, I, I Kind of like him, I'm still ho- holding on to as a matter of when. Um, we know my gripes with Pochettino, but for argument's sake, if Pochettino was manager... Basuma probably wouldn't be getting a sniff right now. He'd probably be burning through Hoiberg and uh, Bencore right now until they were uh, until they're in a cane, because that's what he does. But regardless, I would say if it was a fresh Pochettino that was never our manager, if it was anybody else that played a four-two-three-one system, I think Basuma would have slotted in just fine. Um, how I said with the whole system issue. Uh, but you got to also remember with Antonio Conte. Yeah, there's a lot of deliverables that he's had, whether it be Juve, Inter Milan, Chelsea, etc. But he demands a lot out of these players. So, like we've talked, or you know, we we complain about why Brian Heel has not got a lot of sniffs lately. Same with Spence. I've read rumors about both of them. The one of the main reasons, aside maybe he is shutting them out. I don't know, but one of the rumors is both of them have not blended in more seamlessly into the Conte system, whether it be making the wrong runs, the long runs, correct runs, and so forth. So um, I think that might be a reason why we haven't seen Basuma play as often, because he's not doing the things that he want, that Conte wants. But who knows? But these, but these players had those five weeks to train, and, and Conte was saying nothing I but mean, the right things about how they were doing. Oh, yeah, but I I don't think Conte's going to throw these players on the like these players practice like shit for these five weeks. But you got to remember too, practice and game time. Practice, yeah, those are game time simulations. You know, Nice, uh, what was it, Motherwell on the, the other friendly? Yeah, those are simulate. Those are those are not full game time um, experiences either. So yeah, those are warm. You know, it's like well, Lucas has played college football, so like. You know, spring games, like, yeah, you're getting the reps down and everything, but you're not putting in the actual thing into practice when it's really needed. So I've said, I kind of said before, but like kind of with Basuma, um, if he's going to continue to play, we, I think we kind of have to ride this out and let's see where it goes. I don't know. That's, that's my wishful thinking, at least. Lucas? Yeah, the other thing is with – with the with the guys on the training ground over the last six weeks, I had mentioned when I first brought up the game yesterday, um, just that that level of like like uh, Brentford looking like a cohesive unit. Whereas it's like so we could have guys like Basuma might very well have been playing look, or looking very great in training over the last six weeks, 
but he's training with guys like he's he's training with guys like Sar or Skip or different guys that weren't out there yesterday. So it's like he's training with guys, but while our guys that are the starters, the regular starters are all out in Qatar, now they come back and it's, so just because you've been training well over the last six weeks, you haven't been training with the guys that you're going to be on the pitch with on Saturday or on game day. So that's probably, a, that has something to do with it. Like he hasn't been training with Hoybier, who was going to be his partner. He hadn't been Hoy- training with Dyer Hoy- or. Been back for a while though. Hoybier's been back for like, yeah, maybe a couple weeks, but it's, it's that unit, like the guys like Dyer or the guys that are going to be playing the ball from out from the back for like, up to you in the midfield. So there's guys that you're going to be expected to play it forward to like Sun and Kane, like you haven't been training with those guys. So there's, there's a lot that probably can be said for the fact that we haven't been together for six weeks where Brentford has, it's kind of like when we, when we've lost before in like league, league cup games, like remember when we lost to, uh, what was it? Colchester in the league cup under Potch, like we lost, to Colchester and the the reason being was because we threw together this lineup that was giving everybody rotation and rest so we had like Tanganga out there we had like I think Carter Vickers was out there Delhi was up top as the lone striker so it was like it was just because we had 11 guys that were better than the Colchester guys we still lost because Colchester looked they all had been playing together they were a they were a, a 11 man unit that had familiarity with each other and timing and trust. And that's all stuff that you don't get when you throw a brand new look out there with brand new guys that haven't gotten that experience together. So I think there's something to be said about that. Um, And just to go back, Anthony, to your point about Basuma, there is some guys that just take a long time to understand a new system. And you could look at it the same way with like Royale. Royale was bought to be a fullback under Nuno. And we've never seen him actually take the step forward and understand what his role is supposed to be in Conti's system. He just doesn't look comfortable with it. And that takes time. And I think Basuma is just going to be one of those guys that's going to, he's just going to require being actually getting game minutes in this system repetitively or repetitively and then we'll probably see the growth happen there. But it, it's it's not going to be something that it's not going to be something that we see him get better at if he's not actually getting the minutes. Well, what was most frustrating to about this match to me, especially in the the first half, was uh, the players that are supposed to be good at their job. I I don't think we're doing a good job. Like uh, I I was very disappointed with Perisic um, in that first half. Like. I remember one specific play where Harry Kane uh, like lumps the ball over to towards the post, and then the the the, the uh, Brentford keeper just jumps on it, and and everyone's like, "Oh, why are you even doing that move?" I'm like, "Well, that's because th- that's where Paris should be. He should be yeah. bombing the box, and he should be in that position." And I saw that repeatedly with him that he was not uh, getting forward like you need to in a Conte system. Um, and I think that was what was most frustrating to me, especially about that first half. Like, wh- where are those guys? That and, of course, the defense. And we certainly have to have a conversation about the uh, like how, how this defense just really wasn't good enough. And, yeah, Tanganga didn't play well. Uh, that guy hasn't, hasn't been playing, so you can only blame him so much. Um, but the other guys weren't picking up the pieces. Like, uh, 
either. Like Dyer, Dyer should be better than than he was. Uh, Lucas. Yeah, and I, when you use the term bombing forward there and getting into those threatening positions, like with Perisic, I think that was one of the things that frustrated me yesterday was how with with the way we've been playing this year, we've been really reliant on creating goals when things aren't going smoothly and we're not creating a lot of like opportunities through open play where we've been able to make up for that has been through our set pieces. So if that's the case and it's not working and we're having a really hard time trying to bring the ball, play the ball out from the back, come through the midfield and actually create opportunities from open play. If that's not working, we got to try and just create as many set pieces as we can. That's how we beat Bournemouth where what did we have 25 corners or something like that? And three of them ended up being goals and that's how you win. So it was, I think in like, at halftime, it was Brentford had like six to one on us on corners. So we only had one corner in the first half. And it's like, if if we're not going to be able to create goals through open play, we need to try and have guys out on the wings like Perisic and Doherty actually taking on their man and trying to create, take on your man, bomb to the end line and try and worst case scenario, you lose the ball. Best case scenario, you beat your man and create an opportunity for somebody over the middle. And then like, if that's not the case, the next option is that they deflect it out and we get a corner, which is a great opportunity for us. And we've seen us score countless. I think we've scored more goals off corners this year already than in the past couple of years combined. So that was what kind of frustrated me is I would love to see us be more aggressive and try and create these corners when we've now proven that we're a team that can score off corners. Like that's an asset that we are just choosing not to use. Yeah. Well, and ultimately they got two goals early and like I this is starting to feel like a pretty depressing boxing day at that point. Um, it didn't feel like we were going to have a, a route back into this game, like uh, especially after the so the 15th minute one, you, you already kind of described the goals that they they scored, Lucas, uh, the deflection uh, that, that kind, of, kind of led to the uh, opportunity. And then um, uh, Dyer uh, giving them a free set piece with his stupid kick out of bounds, which was just horrendous. Like, you know, it, it, I mean, it was a dumb mistake. It was an error, but, but you can't be making those types of errors at your level. Um, and it led, and yeah, we didn't defend the, uh, the corner well enough either. Uh, we let their best player, uh, their best goal scorer, like have an open run at the, at net, but, um, but we gave up two and we had to get back into this game. So let's talk a little bit about the good. So the second half did get a little bit better. Um, and we finally got the 65th minute Harry Kane. Uh, goal. Uh, let, let's talk about that uh, that goal a little bit, Lucas. Yeah, I mean that was that was one where in a game like that, sometimes all you need is that first, like just one good moment of brilliance there, um, and then all of a sudden it's like it's a kick up the ass that we needed, and all of a sudden we turned it on and started bringing the game to them. And that moment of brilliance, I think, was. A two-man job. That ball in from Langley was incredible. That was a great pass into Harry. And that finish from Harry was why he's world-class. That is a hell of a finish going up to find to opposite the keeper and get it in the top corner like that. That was just that was two really good players kind of taking over and just having one shared moment of brilliance. And that's 
exactly what we needed at that time. And it, I think it only took another five or six minutes or so to get the second one. But yeah, you saw some of that just some of that bad luck in that first half with again the dire clearance. But you could have argued that that shit dire clearance that led to their goal that happened only minutes after the debatable Harry like uh, the Harry penalty shout where he got just rugby tackled in the box and that could have been that could have completely flipped the game right there but we didn't get that break so it ended up being that we needed to create something else in the second half to try and create our own opportunities and I was really excited to see Langley and Harry come up with that because as soon as that happened it felt like we were back in it and the whole game just completely flipped after that yeah I'm glad you brought up that penalty because it it should have been a penalty I mean uh, there's I think the most frustrating frustrating part was that uh, like Basuma got a yellow card for a very similar play out outside of the the box of course but um, but a very similar play, he gets a yellow card for it, and they don't even consider it a foul when it happens in the box. Um, and the fact that VAR wouldn't even review it, uh, I understand that there's they've changed the rules. They're uh, like unless there's a clear and obvious uh, uh, referee error, they're, they're not going to change it. But but no, that that was frustrating. But you make a good point that yeah, like that could have changed the tempo of the game. We could have gotten back into the game then, and, and now one dire stupid mistake. Now we're now we're really chasing this game. And they did step up to to the plate with the Harry Kane goal first. And let's talk a little bit about the Hoybier goal. So that was really created on the 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 backs of uh, I I think a great combination um, between Kulishevsky and Doherty. Like uh, back and forth, up up the field, drove it into the box, created a chance, got the deflection, and Hoybier was there to pick it up. So, um, so yeah, I think if we th- that was the type of attack that you were, you're talking about, Lucas, that you want to see more of, and I think we we started to see that in the second half, and uh, um, it does make me feel a little bit better about Doherty as. I, I prefer a backup uh, right wing back for us, but um, but if he has to be our primary for the time being, like I, I can see how he could be successful uh, uh, combining with uh, Kulishevsky. Tommy? Yeah, so... I don't know. It's just... How you guys were talking about the whole penalty, I, I didn't see the... I don't remember that one because I, I could have sworn there was a second penalty call. Am I, am I wrong? Just since you're muted, nod yes or no. Yeah. Okay. That, so that, that one that, that was that was the that, that was the only one that we was an obvious penalty. Oh, okay. There, I could have sworn there was another. Okay, then yeah, that one was. I thought that was pretty obvious, or that was clear cut. I remember actually another one where Forrester came out and I forget the guy's name from Brentford, but he got called out for simulation. I was like, thank God for that. But Oh yeah, that was brutal. Oh, it was like, it was barely any contact, but it was a meal. And I'm just like, okay, thank God for that. But, but I'm like, I've said this many times before. Don't let the refs dictate the outcome of the game do better. I'm like, if we had, and I told my brother-in-law this, I'm like, if we did better in the first half, probably didn't need to worry about that potential call so yeah i know that's a potential loss that 
you know, we could have gotten a penalty kick, but I'm like, you know, we can't rely on luck. We're I'm not saying we're better than this, but I'm like, but regardless, like, do better. So I'm not horribly mad about that. Like, yeah, I guess it was obvious, but I'm like, maybe it's because of the World Cup and this season, just the way we play it. I'm, I'm just, I, I don't want, I, I never want to rely on a referee to help influence how or to get us a goal like that. It's just because you can never rely or it's never bankable. So, I mean, it is what it is. I'm, and I guess with the game or because of that, it's just like, you know, the, yeah, we, I, I don't know. It still sucks. We lost two points, but whatever. I mean, it's just life goes on. Well, yeah. And, and to, so the other thing too, is you're going to get those calls more often than not when you're continuously creating opportunities in the box and that's what what anthony was talking about with that with our second goal how kulicheski and doherty paired up and you took on your man beat your man like kulicheski is the only one that does it consistently him and parasich are the only two guys that are continuously trying to take on their man and nothing bad's gonna happen like the worst case scenario is you lose the ball you don't beat your man he sticks it off you he takes the ball away from you and it's like that's okay i would rather lose the ball on the end line than lose it in the midfield and create a counterattack or something. So there's, there's nothing bad that's going to happen from you losing the ball, trying to take on your man. But the upside is so heavy where you see, once you beat your man, that's how you create these opportunities over the middle. And you find even like a weird little deflection. Cause I think it came off a defender a little bit and it just lands perfectly to Doherty who's standing in the middle of the box by himself. When you beat your man at the end line, it creates all the defenders having to rush back now and they lose track of their men. And that's what happened on, their goal as well. They took, they were able to beat, uh, I forgot who got, somebody got skinned on the end, but um, they were able to beat the man inside, comes off a deflection off Langley and falls, uh, falls for a weird deflection off of Forrester. So when, when you have, when you continuously have those opportunities where you're beating your man at the end, coming in from the wings like that, there's always going to be these opportunities for deflections and guys, defenders losing track of their man and unmarked guys in white shirts standing in the middle of the box. Like that's what we want. And that's what we'll see if we continue to have those types of opportunities. And then with those opportunities, that's where you'll see, you'll get a lot more penalty calls because like, look at how many calls city gets city gets so many penalties continuously. And it's not because the refs are just favoring city and giving them penalties. It's because they're spending all day in the opposition's box. When you spend, if you if you spend all day in the opposition's box, you're more likely to get penalties than if you're just recycling it around the edges of the or of the area in your midfield. So, oi oi, yeah. But like, I I just think it's it was really that second goal was so nice to see, and that's where that was that attacking stuff that you wanted us, us to like. That's the type of attacking I wanted to see in the first half, and it's just kind of frustrating that we had to wait till we were down two nil to start actually trying to take it at their be aggressive with the ball going forward from the wings. Yeah. Well, and, and we, we did push hard. There was a, a handful more opportunities right towards the end and it, some in extra time, but we just couldn't get it across and turn this into a victory, um, which to be fair, it would have been the, the first time that, that uh, Brentford the premier league when they scored. first. Um, so um, it was unlikely to happen. 
God, yeah. I wanted that that hairy one that he put off the crossbar when it was two two. That was brutal. I wanted that so bad. I thought we had that third goal there. Yeah, and that would have been that would have been unbelievable. And I was telling Lucas, I'm like, when that happened, I'm like, okay, that was our chance. I guess we're gonna have to sell for the draw, unfortunately. But yeah. I'm like, I feel, you know, I've talked about it last week with the whole penalty miss, but like, you know, Harry King gets a goal, but then he gets that second goal like that. I'm not saying it's going to wash away all the tears from that heartbreak, but at least you know that mentally it's like, okay, he's in a good good mental place right now. I still think he is, regardless of that hitting the crossbar, but I'm like, ooh, that would have been that would great, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, case to, case to Let's go to MVP. Um, let's start with Lucas. Um, I think I would say my MVP was probably Kulicheski. Um I think Harry deserves a nod because I thought Harry showed a lot of mental fortitude to to come out and sh- basically prove that his head was where it is mentally he was in the right spot and that he wasn't affected by anything that happened out in Qatar. So that was nice to see from Harry. But I think Kulicheski looked great, and I love the fact that we can rely. He seems to be much more comfortable playing with Doherty than Royale, and they have a good partnership out there on the wing. But it was really nice to see. Uh, I think we had our, our best creative moments came from Kulicheski doing what he does best. So I'll give him a shout as the MVP. Yeah, it's a good shout there. Uh, Tommy, who do you have? Yeah, I actually, well, you guys can look at my piece of paper, but I actually wrote Dayon as well before. So, uh, yeah, I think he was, in terms of creativity and just the way he played, I mean, he was probably our best player. Uh, and today, he actually won the uh, Good Bowling, or Good Bowling, for Sweden's best player this year. And I think we can see why. We got a player on our hands. So, yeah, nothing else can be said. But, yeah, I think Harry Kane did pretty well. I, I, I think Hoiberg had good honorable mention as well. But I think... I, you know, after all the injury or his injury, and like we clearly miss him, so it's good to be back, um, regardless of the outcome. And we like uh, we he's the one that makes our team go. So thankful for that. Yeah, no, I, it's I think it's got to be Dayon, but uh, but I think Harry Click Kane is a closer second than we're mentioning here. I mean, he created the goal. Had another great opportunity. Like he was doing the right thing when uh, when we were struggling to get goals. Like like I said, like he put Paris. He would have set Paris up perfect at one point. And I like the fact that he was saying like this is this is where you need to be. It was like he he knew he wasn't going to be there, but he uh, wanted to make it clear. Uh, so I think for as talented as a player as he is, he deserves a little bit of a mention as well in this one. Um, how about LVP? Back to Lucas. Well, this one's this one's a little harder because I mean there was a couple guys that just really underwhelmed yesterday, and I think I think the obvious one I'm going to go with was Basuma. Um, but then I think I, I was really disappointed. I thought Tanganga didn't look great. Um, uh, Sonny himself, Sun looked. Sun had a really a disappointing game for his caliber like he had a couple opportunities and a couple of shots that we would expect son to bury and 
I mean, they weren't easy shots by any means, but a player like Youngman Sun, we've seen him time and time again have those, like a left-footed shot that goes top corner, and he just, it, it, it didn't look like he was just playing everything right at the keeper without pace and without precision, so I was disappointed. I think we could have really had a big moment or two from Sun to carry us through that first half, but uh, I think it's got to be Basuma. I think he just, he just did not look comfortable in his role, and he gave the ball away a couple of times in really, really bad, easy spots that you wouldn't expect him to be losing the ball, and he just was. It just it wasn't his day. Okay, yeah, good shouts there. Um, Tommy, who do you got? I can't argue with that, um, with Basuma. I actually, you know what? I'm gonna, you know, I always shit on Eric Dyer, but... I think it is fair. He played really sloppy yesterday, but I mean, I'll, I'm going to change my decision. I'm going to give it to Tinganga, um, even though I, I'm not horribly surprised at him being probably arguably the worst player in my opinion. Um, you know, he just his first start in what over a year, he hasn't looked, or he looked very rusty. You can tell. Uh, I feel bad for him that he has to be the social pro or me giving him that the, uh, a derogatory, the derogatory LVP, but unfortunately that's what it is. It's he's never going to hear it, Tommy. Don't worry about it. Well, it's you never know. He, he might be a loyal listener. Shoes might uh, be like, dude, you said you sucked yesterday. <laughs> it's very possible, but yeah, I, I feel bad for giving it to him because I know it's his first star in over a year, but he just did not look good. Sorry. Yeah. No, I what do you got? I had I had Tenganga as well. Um I I I just the 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 card that he got was stupid. He kept uh, giving the the ball away in dangerous positions. Uh he wasn't in the right position on defense. He wasn't doing anything really going forward to contribute, like just dumb fouls constantly. Um, yeah, I thought he was pretty bad. Like, uh, and I was glad when Sanchez came on and, and we all know that Sanchez can be a, a hit or miss. Uh, but I was pretty excited to see Sanchez coming on. That's how bad he was, uh, now, performing. That was, the, that was the thing though. I don't know. Maybe it's cause I have low expectations for Sanchez now, but I thought he looked pretty good. I'm not saying he should be starting over Romero anytime soon. But I think no, he I, I, I thought Sanchez looked good. Like I think yeah, it, he deputized very well considering the circumstances. Yeah, no, I, I was glad with him coming on there. Uh, um, uh, go ahead, Lucas. Well, I think it, the other thing I was saying is I think it it kind of just describes how little opportunities we actually were creating going forward. Because like once Sanchez came in, Sanchez was like making bombing runs into the box and he was carrying the ball forward. He looked like the most aggressive attacker we had out there. So I was. I was really pleased to see that with Dave. He was, he was going, he was just going for broke and just trying to get anything created going forward. And it was really nice to see him do that. I thought Sanchez looked really good out there. Yeah, no, I, like and and precisely like the contributions that he had towards the attack too from a defender because that's what that is what we're lacking when we don't have Ramiro a lot. So it was nice to see him doing that. Um, well, I think this is a good place to go to halftime. So the second half, we are going to just talk a little bit about transfer w- rumors, talk about the Conte contract situation, and then we will preview Aston Villa. Uh, but first, we are going to go to Luke's Lock. 
First, Luke's locks of our post-World Cup portion of the season here. First up on the docket, we are going to take Liverpool on Friday, minus one and a half goals at home versus Leicester. Liverpool coming off a nice result at the weekend, and Leicester have been woeful defensively this year. So I see no reason for Liverpool to slow their momentum. Liverpool should have several goals and get a nice comfortable cover at minus one and a half goals. Next up, we're going to take another favorite here and take Man City minus one and a half goals at home to Everton on Saturday with Arsenal continuing to win and keep their foot on the gas. City will need to keep grinding out results to keep up in the title race. So I expect City to have no trouble taking it to a poor Everton side and get an easy win at home. So take City minus one and a half goals in that one. Third up, we're going to take over two and a half goals in Brighton at home to Arsenal. Brighton are always good to get a goal or two at home, and Arsenal, of course, are on fire, unfortunately. So it's plausible to expect Brighton to score and Arsenal to still walk away with the three points. So take over two and a half goals in Brighton versus Arsenal. Finally, we're going to end with some positivity and optimism here. We're going to take our beloved Tottenham Hotspur minus a half goal at home to Aston Villa. Spurs are in a bit of a desperate need here for a win if they're going to stay in the top four race. Uh, I expect White Hart Lane to be rocking on Sunday for the first Premier League game of 2023. And I expect Spurs to put in a good shift and bag all three points. So take Tottenham Hotspur minus a half goal at home to Eston Villa. There you have it. There's your first Luke's locks of the second half and our last Luke's locks of 2022. So, there's your free picks. There's your free money. Let's go get rich. Well, thanks as always, Lucas. Um, I want to start this next conversation. Um, and I think we've got to tackle it first with uh, what we're going to talk about the, a little bit about the transfer window opening up. But I think we have to talk about it in the frame of mind of uh, are we going to back Conte? And this is coming on the, the back of... Uh, uh, Conte today making a statement that uh, that we have to go with the philosophy of Tottenham, which is developing young players. Um, that's Conte saying that. Clearly, he's not a guy that likes to develop young players. He likes to have ready-made players that can play his system now. Um, and we haven't seen him seemingly re-upping his contract at this point in time. Um, do, do we think this partnership is ultimately not going to work out? And, and, I'm, and I'll even say that there's been the rumors out there that there are some Spurs fans that are saying, hey, we'd rather at least have the style of play of Pochettino back. It would at least be exciting to watch. Like, Pochettino wants to come back. Um, there are people saying that they don't want... Uh, Conte anymore at this point that we should just let this this go and bring back Pochettino, which I think that's not my um, my stance. But do you think we have to to bring in players to be able to get this uh, get Conte signed on the dotted line for some additional time? And should we get Conte signed on the dotted line for additional time? I know a lot of questions there, Tommy. 
You're rolling your eyes, but I'll let yeah, you... I'm mostly about the Pochettino thing. But I'll I'll start at the beginning. Um, I was looking through Twitter earlier while we were recording, and like apparently people were like Enoch out, all this other stuff. Like we got to do this, you know. We we got to make our voices heard. I'm like, yeah, because that really ever stopped Levy. Maybe you do in the stadium and you put a banner up. Eh, maybe a different story. But I'm like, I think Arsenal has been in a worse position when they wanted Wenger out or Stan Kroenke out. So. But regardless, um, I still say Conte needs to be backed. Um, I mentioned this many times before, but like when we got Jose Mourinho, we got Antonio Conte. The intent when you get those two managers is to win right now. They have a very short shelf life with any club for the most part that they've ever been with. So that means you got you got to strike while the iron's hot. At the time with Mourinho, we still had a great crop of players. Um, I feel like that if the pandemic didn't hit, we he would have been gone by now as of uh, December twenty seventh of twenty twenty two. But he would have he would have left with the trophy. Um, I'll get back to him with him in terms of or with him in style play. Um, Conte, same thing. He's went everywhere he's went, whether it be Inter Milan, Juventus, Chelsea, etc. So he's not going to stick around. He usually sticks at a club for three years at the most. So, and I read some rumors, probably all conjecture, of course, but a lot of high-end directors, powers that be. Apparently, some of them don't want to back Conte. For argument's sake, if that was true, I'm like, okay, you're off your mind. Don't be like Bill Wirtz, formerly of the Chicago Blackhawks, and treat Spurs as... They're as a business, like you're running a sports team here. And the thing with that is we still have a great crop of players. We got a manager right now that is can easily get us trophies. We just have to back him. We got to get him players that he wants. We need we have Prodigy who works with him very well. Prodigy probably already has a lot of players lined up that he wants to talk to once the transfer window opens. Just needs to go ahead to have the uh, transfer fee. Uh, in terms of Mauricio Pochettino, I've said my piece on him many times. With the current crop that we have, I don't think we should do that. Um, maybe in 10 years, different story. The reason with that is because, I've said it many times, he's played favorites. He doesn't like to rotate a lot of players. He has been a detriment to a good amount of players. For example, most notable example, I would say Kyle Walker-Peters. Doing very well at Southampton right now. I would say, I'll, you know, say Pochettino came back. Um, Dean Scarlett, Troy Parrott, who are on loan. Um, Oliver Skip, Jaffa Tenganga. Any young player, they're going to be shut out. Let's be realistic. I mean, aside from Harry Winks, um Gave more of a shot to Harry Kane, but it helped that he was doing well. Um, he didn't. He didn't. I, I felt like he didn't give a lot of ch- a, a good chance to a lot of young players, even with new signings like with Lucas Moore. We signed BSG uh, in in one January. He didn't start playing him until that following summer because he wants his players integrated. Well, I get that to a certain degree, but I'm like, you need to get your best players out there to get the win, and I. And with the current team that we have right now, I think a FA Cup win is definitely feasible. So, and you know him, he doesn't prioritize the FA Cup. Um, lastly, style play. 
Don't get me wrong. Mauricio Pochettino, he got us. We got to the Champions League final. Played some great soccer. You cannot deny that. But I'm not an old school fan. I'm not like uh, both British Joes. I'm not like Rick. I'm not British John and so forth. I, I actually, I don't, I don't even remember Lucas's thoughts on this because he has been a fan for what? Mo- or essentially his whole life. Was anybody complaining when Jose Mourinho got us to first place with a counterattack? Yes, the wheels or went off the rails a little bit, but say if we won the title by doing that counterattack, would anybody have complained? Minus saying, fuck Jose Mourinho because they hate Jose Mourinho, but I'm like, I, you can't argue with results with that. So I'm like, say if we, you know, lesser fans, they won with the counterattack. You think any lesser fans going to be like, we didn't play pretty soccer. And, you know, fuck you, Claudio Ranieri, for that. Do you think they'd rather have that or play attractive soccer, not win the title? No way. Get the hell out of here. Anybody who says otherwise is a fucking fool. <laughs> well, I, I, I can't say that enough because I'm like, to, to be that's like you're essentially hold, you're, you're trying to be prideful about the way you are. And like, what was it? The Bill Nicholson creed was like, we got to do things with a flourish and something with fallacy all or that's a fallacy itself. We can't bore teams to death. And I'm like, you know what? That's a fallacy in itself. We don't like, I, Joseph Mourinho, for example, he plays very direct. That does, for me, it's, if you're doing it well and you get to that end goal, that's fine. There is, Many ways to slice an onion, a watermelon, etc. There is no, technically, there is no right way to do it. You know, there might be a preferred way or the more conventional way, but technically, there is no de facto way to do this or that. So go ahead, Lucas. I've said my well, piece, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, what it is is it's it's a crutch, is what it is. And you're right, Tommy. There there is no any fan that tells you otherwise would be a liar. Um, it's just. You, you can't have neither, though, is the thing. And that's where we have, because, again, it works the other way. Like you said, ask any Leeds or ask any Leicester fan, like, would they rather have played an attractive style of football or win the title? Like, you want to win, like, you win. I don't care how we get it done. You want to win, and you want to win trophies. That's why you play the game. That being said, it also swings the other way. Like, go ask any Leeds fan, like, from, like, the last year or the year before. It's like, wow, you guys played such high-flying, attacking football. That must be so fun. And it's like, well, what did it get them? Fuck all. It got him. It got him in a re, like a relegation battle last year. So it's like, it, it doesn't matter how you get it done. You have to get it done. The problem is you can't have neither. You can't have unattractive football and not get results and not get trophies. Because then that's when fans start to get pissed and they're. That's when they want. They start to get all restless and they're like, "Well, we, we're not playing well." Because again, we would all be we'd all be still frustrated. But imagine if we were in first place right now, doing the exact same way we've been doing it like this season, where we seem to not try in the first half, conserve our energy, and then come out and win. If we were doing that consistently and we were at the top of the table, I don't think we're even having this conversation about, like, whether Conti – we would all be completely fine with it. We'd be – maybe still a little bit frustrated in the first half watching it sometimes, but at the end of the day, we would all be sitting here on cloud nine being like, it's after, it's after Christmas and we're on the top of the table. Like, that's what you want, and you can't have neither, but it is a crutch when fans – when it's like, oh, I just want to play good attacking football, this and that. It's it's just, it, it kind of sounds like a, 
it, it's just it's a bit of a crutch to lean on and say like well that's what we want and that's what we need it's we don't care about the it's, it's like no you care about the trophies you care about winning that's why you're out there yeah uh, but, oh go ahead tommy yeah i'll be brief um lucas is your lifelong fan your mom's side of family spurs fans i know you were a little young for this but for argument's sake one or the other so 94 season when we got klinsman you know ozzy ardiles he's a manager Scoring goals like crazy, but we're letting in goals like crazy. Like, I don't know if anybody in your what did, family what did it was. Get us? I know, but like, exactly. that's my point. It's like, I'm... was anybody in your family complaining that much? Like, hey, at least we're playing attractive football. The thing that the thing that's different though is back then you have back then the, the expectations weren't the same. Like when I was a kid, my expectation was to like maybe get a point at home against like not lose to Arsenal at home, and finish in the top 10 and hopefully get a run at a league cup or something like that's maybe the dream was like, maybe we can get Europa or something, but the game is like, we've completely, and a lot of this credit is to guys like Redknapp or who took us a step further. Pochettino took us a step further credit to them. Like the, the expectation has changed now. Now I'm not satisfied with a good attacking, like just a, attractive football. Now I want to be competing for the league and we've brought in one of the best managers to ever be in Europe and one of the most proven winners in Conti and who's not only won in other European leagues, but he's won in the Premier League. He's won the title in England. And that's a guy that we now have an opportunity to go forward and take the next step with. And I think that to tie into Anthony's original question, I think that would be very, very wasteful of us to not back Conti and not actually try and give him everything he needs because he's a proven winner. This isn't like he's not asking for a leap of faith. Yeah, well, he's saying back it, me and I will do what I've been proven to do. <laughs> and to your point, Lucas, like the like the, what he's saying about young young uh, young players and having to develop, that's a huge red flag to me that we're not going to do that. And and I and I'm concerned that that's the reason why he won't uh, sign on the line and uh, uh, re up his contract at this point because. He doesn't feel backed, and I kind of get the feeling that by only by buying him a, a couple of players that can slot right into his first team now uh, in this winter window, um, he's not going to stick with us. And and uh, my concern is that yeah, the, we Harry Kane's going to want to stick to his guns and want to leave at, if if we don't keep Conte around at this point. Yeah, and I, I think again, this is all conjecture, and we can only just. Everyone's just speculating, and these rumors are just that. It, it's one journalist comes up with the rumor story, and then nine other journalists are retweeting it and reposting it, and it starts to get all this buzz. For all we know, Conti, Levy, and Prodigy have already ironed out like three or four signings that they're getting ready to pull the trigger on or something. That We, we don't know. And Conti's made it clear that this isn't going to be a quick fix, which is what gives me optimism for him staying. He said it's going to take several transfer windows. It's not just going to be something. This is only going to be his third window and two of them are going to be January windows, which are always harder to do business in anyway. And if you look in the past, it's when you look, we're not man city where we can just buy 11 new world-class players in one window. Like there's, we're not going to be able to be spending $150 million on like the next big signing coming up. So with, if you look in the past, like I used the example of like Klopp, 
like when Klopp got to Liverpool, they didn't win anything for three, three and a half years. It took six windows for them to actually get guys in that could start playing the way that Klopp wanted them to be playing. If you look at Ferguson with United, they only won, like Ferguson was almost on, he was on the chopping block. He was about to get sacked. Like they didn't win anything for several years. It took several windows to get his crop of players in. We, we still need, we need, it's going to take time. And that's why every window, I just want to see us continuously bringing guys in that Conti wants in. Bring guys in that can play his system, get the guys that he wants. And if you continue to do it for four, five, six windows, a couple years down the line, we're going to be in that exact position where Conti's ready to start like showing the results and not, not results as in like win an FA Cup. I mean, results of year after year, we're competing to be that top team and win the title. So I think, I think we we're kind of worried about there's like the, like the contract situation. It's he's not being coy about it. It's he's just saying, I think we're making it a lot more like you said, with the Harry Kane stuff, we're adding so many more caveats to it and like adding pressure and everything we're interpreting as like, oh, well, we're thinking a hundred times more into it than he probably is. He said he wants to just make sure that like he loves it here. He loves his players. He loves the club. It's like, I think it's just something that he probably wants. I think we'll know a lot more obviously in the next coming weeks, but as long as we continue to back him, he's happy and he wants to be here and he wants this to be this. He wants this to be part of his, managing legacy like he wants to take Tottenham to the next level so I think that we all do need to just take a deep breath let's hope that Levy and Prodigy and him have a good plan in place for January and that are that we're ready to back him and give him the players he wants because if you're not ready to back a manager like Conti that would be probably the most depressing thing as a Spurs fan because that basically tells you that if you're not going to back Conti then who are you going to back like what what where do we go from here? If we're not willing, if we're not willing to nut up and put our checkbook on the line for this guy, what, what, what is our future? What does that say about our future? Like, what's the plan? Where, where, when are we ever going to back a manager then if we can't back this guy? Tommy. Yeah. The other thing though, is uh, I saw an article last week. We made record as in the club, the club has made record profit last year. They made what? 161 million pounds in revenue. That is no slouch, and of course, but um, I so there is money to spend. Uh, we're not like Man City, PSG, whatever. So you got to play within financial fair play. So that one sixty-one mil that's being made, that's definitely a good sign. My so I'm like I, if I'm Prachi, if I'm uh, Antonio Conte, like I, that that would be my like we made a shitload in money last year where is it going the the argument though could be levy's like we have to pay off the stadium in 10 years we got to chip away at a little more but you know pandemics clearing things up everything's at full capacity so whether it be nfl games uh guns and roses concerts whatever i'm like the revenue is still going to be there might not be as valuable because the pound is not doing so great right now but like how i said it before kind of with conte um, playing players like Levy's got to throw it down the gauntlet. Like, with Jose Mourinho, great position. Lightning doesn't strike twice like this, where 
We have a very solid crop of players. We got two great managers. Yeah, Mourinho was at the um, was on the downslide at the time, but you can't dispute his credentials and what he could do. So, like, where do you go from this? Are you gonna take Are you gonna take that leap and be like, okay, I want to give Conte, I don't know, hundred, maybe I don't know, fifty, sixty million pounds this January, another two hundred in the summer, for argument's sake. And then let him get the players he wants, get rid of the players he wants. I surely hope so, of course, but I don't know. Proof's in the, proof is in the pudding. Um, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, and, uh, and uh, there are other problems. Like, I mean, we have a lot of players that are still on the books that were on loan that are now injured. The Winks of the World, the Lacelsos, that like uh, we're not getting anything back for them right now, and uh, and they're going to be difficult to get rid of. Um, so I can understand why it's tough to back them this particular window. Um, but, but I agree mid record profits, like they, they, we're going to lose Conte if we don't back him. And I think by backing him, they need to bring in, I would say two solid players that can slot into the first team that, that fill like some of our gaps. I think it needs to be a center back and a right wing back. Um, like I know, maybe a midfielder as well, but um, but I think we're, it's much more important, like center back and a a wing back, uh, to to make this work. Uh, uh, Lucas. Yeah, and and the big thing too is it it doesn't have to be, we say back Conti, it doesn't have to be breaking the bank and spending 150 million in January or something. Like look at the business that we were able to do last January with just two signings for good prices that we got guys that are now part of our core for the future going forward. So it's not about like how much you spend. It's just how you spend it. Like we just need to be smart. And that's where I trust Paratici to do a good job. I'm sure he's been spending the last couple months. He hasn't been just sitting on his ass doing nothing. I'm sure he's been getting tons of like scouting and prep done to make sure that we get this, this becomes a productive January. And that's what we need is, it just, like I said, it's going to take time. It's going to take windows. And as long as we continue to build the way Conti wants us to build, I don't see him going anywhere. So I think that's really important for us to just show him that, like, we will be spending in January, even if it's just 50 mil on one center back and a guy on loan or something, like, just something that shows him that we trust and believe in his process. And I think that's all the that's all the motivation he'll need to know that we're committed. We need to show him the commitment that we're in committing into him, and then I'm sure he'll return that and take our club to new heights. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's a good positive note to kind of end this conversation on. Um, probably next episode after the window's already open, we'll have a little bit more to say about tangible possible transfers. I know we talked a little bit last week about some potential names being thrown out there, but. It, it's it's all just smoke and mirrors until uh, somebody's re- really being um, pursued actively. So we'll we'll see where we're at once the window opens and we start seeing the names pop up that really seem like they're going to stick and and be the ones that we are going to actively pursue and try and get across the line. Um, so let's move the conversation along. Uh, we have to um, uh, preview this uh, this upcoming weekend's match. Um, so. 
this weekend on uh, January 1st, so New Year's Day, uh, we take on Aston Villa at home. That's 8 a.m. here in Chicago. Uh, they're currently sitting in 12th place in the league with 18 points. That's five wins, three draws, eight losses. Uh, they did lose 3-1 to Liverpool on Boxing Day. Um, they did play uh, four friendlies uh, during the World Cup, uh, so they they are practiced, and a lot of their players were um, were with them during that time period. Um, uh, their top goal scorer right now is Danny Ings with five. Uh, Watkins and, and Bailey both have three. Um, and Watkins and uh, Douglas Luis is uh, their top playmakers with their assists then with uh, three. And Emiliano um, Martinez is their top rated player at 699. Um, we have beat them four out of the last five engagements that we've had against them going back to 2020. 22 and we have beat them the last two times that we faced them um so how are you guys feeling about this uh this match against aston villa on new year's day will we have a hangover uh lucas will we have hangovers or will tottenham have hangovers we'll all have hangovers but we'll be at the pub at 8 a.m so (laughs) but for me it's all about again it kind of sounds like a broken record here but it's just about how we start um Villa is a team that absolutely can be gotten at. I mean, they're 18th for a reason. Um, they concede a lot of goals. Um, it's just we've had, I think, gosh, our last maybe like 10 games in all competition, we've started by conceding first. We haven't. The last time we had a game where we scored first was October 15th against Everton. We won 2-0. That was the last time we were in a game in all competitions where we scored before they did. That is a brutal stat. I mean, we have got to start on the front foot against Villa because we can't let – we can't sleepwalk for the first 30 minutes. And then this is a Premier League team. Like, they have guys that can absolutely make something happen if you give them the opportunity to. So we have to squash them out before they can get some cheeky deflection that goes in past a flat-footed goalkeeper and it's now 1-0 in the 40th minute or something and we got to start all over again. So – We've got to actually dictate the way the game goes by scoring first and getting ahead early. And I think once that happens, now it's a game that can end instead of it, instead of us needing to claw back in the 70th minute. If we can score early, this could be a game that ends 4-0, 5-0. Like we can absolutely, we're one of the most, we're one of the best teams on the break. And I mean, to see that in an open game, we're going to need to get a goal early. Yeah, I, 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 I see what you're saying and like uh, but yeah if, I think giving up like a stupid uh set piece um like near the box or something like that just the dumb fouls just outside the box could could be a a problem for us here we we know Danny Ings can uh, can get our number at times and and Ollie Watkins can be pretty a pretty dangerous player I mean he's no slouch um so they they do have ways to hurt us um Tommy, how are you feeling about this one? Oops. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just said it last week. Which team will show up? Um, kind of on with on board with Lucas, where hopefully we start off strong, and let's see where that goes. Uh, if I remember correctly, we sorry. Oh, we are playing at home, so hopefully the crowd will be ready too. Um, get the team ready to go, and let's see where it takes us. I'm just 
I think, what's his name? Uh, Antonio Conte did say that at the time, like, you know, if you play in the final, you're probably not going to play against Brentford. New year. Uh, hopefully Romero, Lloris play. I, I, I'm not sliding Fraser Forrester. I think he did well yesterday, but, you know, you got the captain. Uh, great shot stopper. So let's let's put our best foot forward with the power lineup that we can have. Um, you know, Romero, Dyer, Davis, uh, in the back line. Let's try to recover from the mess that we had yesterday. And let's start the new year on the right foot. I'm just, I don't know. We'll see, I guess. Um, but we also have to remember, playing Crystal, or so playing on Sunday. Crystal Palace is the following Wednesday on the 4th, and then I forget either the 7th or the 8th we're playing Portsmouth. So six points, or I would say six points are pretty vital in those next two matches. So let's, let's get it done. Let's see what happens. Lucas? Yeah, the interesting one for me to see with in terms of the starting 11 is going to be whether or not Bentoncourt is back. Um, I seen like Conti had made it sound like Bentoncourt was going to be fit. But that's one where it's with him being such an important player and us having so many games in such a short window here coming up. It'll be interesting to see whether or not we actually rush him back. Preferably, I don't think we would. Yes, we, we need we look much better of a, a, as a side when he's in the starting 11, obviously. But um, this might be an opportunity to run out Masuma again and see if he can right the ship a little bit. And then as opposed to I mean, if you're going to be able to feel comfortable resting Benton core for any game, you would want it to be Villa at home. That should be a, you should be able to win that game without Benton core is my point. So I would, I would, I would hope that we don't rush him back if he's not hundred percent fit and maybe he can start in palace instead, which is just a few days down the road. So um, I, I, I think that'll be an interesting one to see whether or not we rush him back or, and for all I know, I'm not, I'm not his physio. So I don't know whether or not he's hundred percent fit or not. He could be for all we know. We don't know the severity of his injury that he picked up in Qatar. So I just, I think, uh, I hope that we don't need to rush him back as opposed to kind of letting him reintegrate himself into the squad from a health standpoint. I don't want to have him rush back and then get a knock and be out for January and February because he's someone that we're going to desperately need for the second half of the season. Well, oh, actually, quick comment, though. Since we got a weekday game, um, even though we can probably rest a few starters against Portsmouth, presumably, but I'm like, bring Skip in. Let's see what he, let's, I mean, if he, if he's healthy and he's not sick, let's bring in Skip. I think we, we can definitely use that bite in that midfield. It's something that we sorely need. Especially in a game that we're going to be expected to have the majority of the ball. We're going to have most of the possession against Villa. And I think Skip is a, Skip, one of the best, his best attributes is his ability to carry the ball forward in the midfield. Yeah. Well, and actually, that's a, another thing. I uh, forgot about Steven Gerrard being let go. Unai Emery's in right now. You know, when he was with Arsenal, PSG, he was playing more of a free-flowing um, game. So, that another – so, I possession will be very key. And um, with – I think I talked about you, Lucas, or somebody else with Oliver Skip – He's the anti-Harry Winks where he passes sideways or backwards. He's very confident on the ball. So he can move forward if he if wanted to. Um, so let's see how that works out. 
and might as well work that out with uh, Aston Villa because of the way they play. Because, I mean, realistically, if we play a team, as in Spurs, of course, if Spurs play a team that play their similar style of attack, the game is going to be very open. So take that for what you what it's uh, what you will, but yeah. Yeah, uh, I think this is a good place to go to predictions. Uh, so let's start with Lucas first for predictions. All right, I'm going to go with uh, three one. I think we get to, we get off to a comfortable lead, and I think we control the game, get up three one, and then or get up three nil, and I'm sure that they'll just find some cheeky set piece or something at the end. But um, I think it's going to be a comfortable, good. I think we're going to really show up. Um, we'll see a lot more. Um, I think we'll look a lot more comfortable together after getting another whole week of training in uh, with all the guys back. So I expect a good good result from the boys. 3-1, and I'll go with my scores. We'll go uh, two for Kane and one for Sun. I think Sun's going to get back off the mark and start 2023 20, off right. Tommy? I'm in a similar, fat, uh, similar way of prediction or predicting. 2-1, um, Kane and Sun. Uh, in terms of evidence, I don't know if we're going to start strong. I haven't seen anything that would convince me otherwise. So I'd say we start off slow. I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if Aston Villa would get the first goal, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was 1-1 by halftime. And then we get a winner, like, you know, 60, 70th minutes. Um, and I noted before Keane, he finally got, or he got the goal. Uh, yesterday, uh, so I'm thinking, you know, let's continue that streak. Uh, Son, I know he didn't play well yesterday, but as we all know, he's he's a hot and cold player. So hopefully he'll be hot, hot, hot um, on Sunday. But let's hope for the best. Let's start the new year off on the right foot. Uh, I hate to be the one to do it. I'm going to predict a 2-2 draw. I just, uh, the way we start games until I see different, like uh, we can't have a good first half and I can see ourselves, uh, us getting into trouble. Even if we have a Romero back, I could, I can see him just being, uh, a little groggy fatigued, uh, not up to full, the constant fitness, um, and not being able to hold the, everything together. And then those other guys, we know they're all capable of dumb plays. So yeah, I'm going to say 2-2. Two, two. Um, I think uh, we do get a goal from um, Sun. And I think we get a goal from Kulisevsky in this one. Um, and I hope I'm wrong. Um, eh, well, let's face it. like I, I'm horrible at predicting anyway. So maybe uh, predicting a draw, we'll, we will get a win in this one. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I'm going to go with the draw on this. Uh, any final thoughts uh, uh, on the week that anybody wants to tackle before we wrap things up? No, uh, I was telling my brother-in-law yesterday because he picked me up from the airport last Thursday. We were just talking about Spurs, of course. Um, it's nice to have Premier League back. Uh, let's get. I mean, regardless of, of how I what I've been saying. Fourth place is good, pretty good, considering um, how inconsistent we played. Let's get some transfers in. Let's make some improvements. Hopefully the team will do better. Let's see how that goes. And 
Let's get it done. Amen. Yeah, no, I think that's a good shout there, Tommy. Um, uh, get the transfers in, uh, start moving forward. We're not that far out of it. Uh, yes, this uh, draw was disappointing this week, uh, but we can certainly move forward, and I hope that my prediction is wrong and that we are uh, going to take that step moving forward now, um, maybe with the right pieces coming back and being available next week. Um, but that about wraps it up, up for this uh, week. So uh, thank you so much to Tommy for editing today, uh, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, The Atlantic. Uh, find us uh, on our many platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more, and hit the subscribe button on those uh, where you can. Uh, and uh, write us a review on the, those platforms where you can as well. Tell us what you think about the pod. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Stars Spurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.